0: Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today we have an issue to cover that it, that's not only affecting uh, Atlanta, which our uh, our two representatives here are from. It actually affects the entire nation. This is just a microcosm of what is Ameri- uh, happening in America. I'm here with Robbie El Caban and Douglas Lee. Price. First of all, uh, please introduce yourself uh, first, Robbie, and then uh, Doug.
1: Uh, well, I'm a resident in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I own my uh, real estate firm, uh, Robbie Caban Realty. I'm a licensee. I'm a licensed real estate agent. I work predominantly with the public, uh, meaning not investor LLCs, but our owner occupants. And I also uh, am a community advocate and sometimes those roles um operate in dual capacity as in this case
0: in this case Doug tell me a little bit
2: about yourself my name is Doug Price I'm an attorney I've been attorney for a little over 30 years um I grew up in Atlanta in fact my grandparents lived a mile from where Robbie lives um, so where she lives, that whole neck of the woods, uh, is, i intimately familiar with every street and every nook and
0: cranny over there. And I remember it back from the early sixties. So you actually saw the transition of what people homesteads looked like and what's really occurring to decimate communities right now. We want to start in one place. Um, there is a transitional housing facility that is being foreclosed on. And the genesis of this foreclosure has much to do with the real estate market in your area and what, to, to some extent, many politicians are doing. So uh, given my naivete on the issue, Robbie, why don't you explain that part of the situation?
1: Uh, sure. So when, one thing about Doug and I, I often, we often work together as much as we can, um, Attorney Price, I call him Doug. It is he actually witnessed white flight growing up. Um, he He's a witness to divestment. He's a witness to the transitioning of communities. Um, so I think that's an interesting part of his background and why he's kind of my favorite attorney, really. He has, a, a one, he's honest, which is <laughs> hard to find an honest attorney. But two, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's in the field and he's, Aware, And he has a historical point of view, but he also is empathetic. Um, In terms of what is occurring right now, and just a side note, I grew up in the South Bronx, so um, the South Bronx, like many parts of south sides of cities throughout the country. Uh, became gentrified and so did the surrounding boroughs uh, Manhattan I'm sorry uh, Brooklyn etc Staten Island um, anything that that was around the nucleus Manhattan so I'm very familiar with what things look like in a community when they're transitioning gentrifying and or revitalizing that being said um, in Atlanta now where I happen to live is pretty much ground zero for gentrification Uh, it 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 started about four years ago with uh, for-profit real estate tours that were uh, funded by neighborhood associations that were uh, that who lobbied our city hall elected officials to fund more real estate tours and basically saturated and inundated the area with flippers, LLCs, uh, agent investors, broker investors, etc. And unfortunately there wasn't good communication warning locals, so it, it all these predatory sales um, created high volume market instability when it comes to appraisals. And that, go ahead.
0: I wanna stop you right there because what you're saying it's very technical. I understand what you're saying, but many of the uh, rank and file American citizens are not going to understand that predatory housing, flipping, all of that sort of stuff. So let's just kind of give a little quick thing about what exactly is happening to somebody who is living in those homes and could also happen to somebody who could be living in a Houston home.
1: So when you don't, warn the community collective right and you're operating city public engagement associations or npus in atlanta's are called neighborhood planning units are our mode of operation with city elected officials um when that process is non-inclusive when we do not warn the community collective but invite people of higher wealth to purchase um obviously to get taxes up for the city uh in essence, predatory sales occur. And what that means is people are not aware of the values that are rising, the city development, the federal uh, projects, for example, the Atlanta Line, and or other developments in the area that are moving pieces that are going to create their properties to go up in value. And so people are coming in, being aware of this. We're not warning the public. Um, And even agents are coming in and saying, you know, do you want to sell your house? And often what happens with with people who aren't um, informed or protected or represented is they'll say, well, how much do you want for it? And the minute someone does that and releases a number, you're on the losing end because you probably underbid yourself and that person is going to grab that property, um, either flip it. So if it was rented, the tenants will be displaced. If it was rented and the tenants have nowhere to go, which is often the case, they will get evicted. Um, If it's, you know, rented and they can't have the option to buy it, um, or if the property is purchased by an LLC or an agent investor, uh, either in tax predatory sales, then they will get foreclosed on. And so if it's an owner, and so maybe an elder who didn't pay the taxes, who didn't know, and there's kind of a way to add fees on this on this uh, situation and those sales get sold at the Fulton County Courthouse steps every month um, and it's really a disservice to all parties except the people obviously benefiting from. Can, the
0: let me go to Doug. Doug uh, why is that legal? Why is all that Robbie's speaking about legal? <laughs> It just, it just is. So let me ask you specifically, then, uh, is there when people find themselves in that position as a lawyer, is there any part of the code that you can use to help them out? Or this is something that's just going to have to be political in nature?
2: Um, well, yeah, there, there is.
0: But but more
2: than not, it's a political it's a political uh you know, help that has to happen, and some of it is just—it's just the way it is. I mean, we live in a capitalist society, and uh, you know, it's just 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 part of it. Uh, some things just cannot help.
1: Let me add to that, Alberto. So, it, it, you asked about legalities. Here's here's the reality. In order to receive a commission in Georgia, um, you have to be a licensee, and the way that people are getting around that is uh, the wholesales, which is a part of this predatory. Uh, component. It, it, there are signs that say we buy cash houses. There are agents who operate in dual capacity as agent investors. We have a very large lobbying force that influences City Hall with GRAC, the Georgia Association of Realtors. And ultimately, um, you know, they're, they're kind of fine lines. As, an, as a realtor, you have a code of ethics to public interest, right, to protect public interest. Then you also have Um, You know, in same code, it says you shouldn't, shouldn't speak ill of other realtors. So in essence, what we have is old systems that are carrying on today. And the problem is, is that they're harming certain communities. This would never fly on the north side of Atlanta, because those people are protected. This is happening to people who are not protected.
0: How are they protected?
1: The north side, they're protected yes. by generational wealth and they have friends who are attorneys That and they're also more informed. Their, their values on the north side are stable. You can't pull up a one mile radius for appraisals on the north side and have the drastic numbers that we have on the south side as a specific result of divestment. And if you look at our tax records, you can see maybe three foreclosures on every tax record. And what that's showing is that in every bubble, the, these people who are, you know, making these predatory investments don't care because all a bubble means is foreclosures, liquidation, and the, and the acquisition of I'm assets. Getting
0: it over again. Yeah.
1: At a, yes.
0: Okay. So, now let's talk specifically but, about, yes. Yeah.
1: So when I say, who is this happening to, this is happening to lower income black people. That, that That is the bottom line. And if it were happening to people who were not lower income Black people, they, we would be up in arms in the courthouses. And, but and, we're uh, not, because the title companies that are facilitating this and real estate firms, obviously Doug Price doesn't, but other firms are facilitating this. And there are solutions, it would be to stop wholesaling, which has been done before, enforce that, right, through the law, and hold real estate firms, brokerages alike, accountable, along with the title companies that are facilitating these transactions.
0: Now, what you find is um, people like a good example of how everything that you've just said turns into their reality. And what we have is a transitional housing facility That is now the victim of this. Uh, They're going to be foreclosed on on Tuesday. Uh, Tell us that particular story in detail.
1: So Tuesday, and actually
0: tell us who it is, so that we can actually give it some 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 views out there.
1: So the 2049 Percoson House is a transitional housing facility located in the community of Sylvan Hills and Perkinson in the heart of Southwest Atlanta, which are all Beltline communities, okay, this is in the city, in Atlanta proper, um, right near where Doug grew up, right near where I live, these facilities are few and far between, we already have a housing crisis, we already have a COVID crisis, we already have homeless people, we already have, um, you know, low inventory, so taking out a transitional housing facility that is grandfathered in that has not caused any problems to the community in over 10 years is horrible.
0: What is Um, a transitional housing facility?
1: So in essence, this is a four-sided brick, 4,000 square foot building that used to be a medical facility. Um, It's wheelchair accessible. There are 13 bedrooms and three baths. And it's for people who are transitioning in, into d- different housing. So it could be people on disability. It could be elders who don't have anyone to take care of themselves uh, them anymore. I've been to the site multiple times. Um, there's actually pilot programs going on, uh, small, tiny homes for people who are homeless, who don't want to be in a facility or aren't ready. And so they transition from one project or one to now, the other. Now, who owns it? Uh, my client, her name is Rosemary. Um, she's a lovely woman. She operates a nonprofit. She's had you know, her own series of challenges and she's not able to continue to operate the facility. The problem is that the property is not a fully renovated property. It's completely livable, but it has some outdated items. It doesn't have... It has vinyl tile instead of, you know, um, ceramic tile. The kitchen is not with granite countertops. It doesn't have stainless steel appliances. It has older appliances. That being said, um, with these flips that occur in Southwest Atlanta, the values that go up are for renovated properties. Consequently, the properties that are not fully updated or renovated, their values go down because of the predatory sales that happen off market. So what she owes on the property, the property will not yield due to the appraisals in public market. And unfortunately, what has occurred is the bank, the lender is Apex. I've been speaking with the VP of Apex who's and he directed us to speak with his attorney with the pageant law group, And Mr. after I explained, neither of them are local, I offered to do videos, I gave them the entire file, explained the predatory nature of of the area, um, the market instability and what the problem was, they ordered their own broker price point appraisal, so they know this and they told us because it's operational perkinson house is operational there's seniors in there there're elders in there there're people with disabilities who have you know pre-existing conditions meaning covid has completely complicated viewing this property well the the bank uh, apex and their attorney told me who's my who Ryan Martinez was the point of contact we will hold off the foreclosure we will hold this off and allow you time because this is a you know, situation that needs to, to be handled. Right. Uh-huh. Instead, on Friday the 2nd, without warning, my strategy was based on the fact that they were holding it off. Friday the 2nd, I got a call from Mr. The VP stepped in instead of the attorney, um, Mr. With pageant law group saying you'll be at auction. This is a cur- Perkison house will be at auction Tuesday the 6th. This is a courtesy call. We don't want the property.
0: Did you have? Did you have them holding off in writing or a voice call?
1: Yes. No. I have. Uh, first of all, I have tons of emails saying this. There has been not one email in the last thirty to sixty days from Mister Mister. Um, Mr., I'm sorry, Mister Pageant Law Group, stating we have had a change of heart. We are going to auction. Prepare accordingly. You know, this is the time frame.
0: But from a legal standpoint, and maybe Doug could answer this given that she has an email that says doug that they will hold off the sale of the property and i imagine this is something that happens all over the country uh, do they have to stand by that or do they have the legal right to still go to foreclosure
2: now they have to give them uh 30 they have to send certified mail uh within 30 days of the actual foreclosure sale and what happened in this case was they sent it but it didn't get delivered there was and they discovered it at the last minute, and they've got pictures of of the of it being torn and delivered in a plastic bag, et cetera. And, With the post
1: office saying, "You know, we can send you the photo. Sorry, your your package was damaged," and no one ever signed for that. And the the thing is, is you have to understand that the owner of this property, Rose authorized me which the bank required in writing she signed robbie caban is my representative therefore that note i should have been included on that notice and here go ahead
0: again my question again is uh, and again doug the lawyer legalities uh what's the legal? can they put that house legally on the market on tuesday
2: i don't know honestly i think that i think the notice is the effective because of the way the mail, they got proper documentation. They didn't get notice. Now that they apparently tried, I don't know that they, I don't think the bank president knew. I think he assumed that they got their notice legal notice. Uh, But, uh, but they did not, Uh, they did not get it. And uh, you know, if you send, Legal notice, and you don't open it. Try and manipulate. Uh, you know that, that that doesn't count. But that they've got a good faith argument that they didn't get it. Now, the remedy is you simply give it to them correctly and reforeclose.
0: In other words, wait and, thirty days.
2: Yeah, it would probably take sixty because of the way you'd have to. I think it's probably too. It may be too late to run it in the paper November. So we probably get to auction December, and then you get a little extra time to get to out. Sell. What we're talking about is doing it over again based upon the defective notice and buying some extra time.
0: Excellent. That's what we're talking about. Now, Robbie, and and have you contacted them about that already?
1: Can I add to that? Yes. When Mr. T- First of all, it's the VP of the bank. It's not the president. It's the vice president, Mr. T- However, we did also contact the Office of the President seeking resolution, and they are copied on these emails, the Office of the President's um, Assistant. Believe her name is that. being said, um, I, when I spoke with the VP of Apex, um, Mr. on Friday, I alerted him that we received no notice. And he said, let me check with our attorney, the pageant law group, who advised in writing, we sent the notice uh, through proper channels via mail. So the mail, there's no way if you didn't have someone signed to know that they actually got it. The only reason we even figured it out was because when Mr. called to advise on a Friday, uh, the second that the bank was going to the, the property was being auctioned on Tuesday, the 6th, less than 48 business hours later, we went fumbling. The owner went fumbling through everything and then found outside this package left there, no signature, damaged. Post office said, "Sorry, your stuff is damaged." She never got it.
0: Well, that require a certified mail requires signature, so that wasn't a complete transaction, right? Uh, right, um, Doug. Well, yes
2: and no. In this case, you've got enough documentation, pictures to show a good faith argument that you never got it. But what would happen if you got it? and you knew it, and you didn't sign, and you right. let it sit there. So so the answer is yes and no. In this case, you've got pictures and a good faith argument that, you know.
1: And when you they, don't sign certification, doesn't the um, post office representative say refuse signature? Isn't there something on record for
2: that? Yeah, eventually. Not necessarily, because if nobody's there, how do you know you refuse signature? But yeah, no, but no, yeah, no yeah, you, certified you, you, mail
0: usually requires... They deliver with a signature, and if you don't sign it, they take the mail back. They don't They don't put it back to
2: you. Well, what, you do is, what, what, what you do is this. When you send certified mail, you always – what, what I do is you send certified mail and you send regular mail, and you get a receipt from the post office showing what you paid for, a, a, a regular stamped envelope, and the certified mail. Right. So then they try to play games and not – sign it you've got documentation that you send it regular mail also right now they didn't, you know that's just best practice they didn't necessarily do all of that right uh, and, and even if they did uh you know th- anyway that we don't that did that did not happen and there is a good faith argument that they they never got it correctly now what uh, is the- our
0: resolution to this going forward in other words it's still going on the block on Tuesday or are you going to We don't
2: know that for a fact. We don't, we don't know that for a fact. They may pull it and redo it.
1: Well, as far as we know, it will be sold Tuesday at auction because we have not received notice despite requesting multiple times that the auction be postponed due to all of these factors. Um, One thing that I want to add is that, you know, and, and this is, something that someone else pointed out to me, this bank foreclosing on this without allowing process and good communication, they're also taking a loss. So they have not done, you know, my client, the community, their own clients, their shareholders, they've not done a good job for their own shareholders. And frankly, this foreclosure and auction will cause further market instability. So in essence, when we see all this, oh, we're getting, funding approved for affordable housing this this developer is getting a tax break for 10 million these affordable housing apartments are going to come up to allow people to live here we as taxpayers are subsidizing the consequences of poor business or bad business practice
0: yeah but they're benefiting they benefit the business person benefit because they're they're getting those those abatements etc which I think is the whole the whole issue why I, uh, I think even Doug implied that that is why we need political resolve to, from people who know what's going on to get yeah, done.
1: We do. We need our elected officials to step in and work with people like Doug and I who are willing to come forward about problematic industry practice affecting public interest that is causing and costing taxpayers money. Because all of this affordable housing we fund. So we're basically allowing people to have, to to flip homes, to use single family as commodities, to use transitional housing as commodities, taking losses. And then when we cause gentrification, cause displacement, cause the rise in values, we now have to pay for affordable housing so that regular people can live in the city because we need the people to work there. Okay, it is a transitional housing facility, but please understand that it is the home to those residents. The the owner of this nonprofit, Rose, is like a a second mother. She's been with these people about 10 years and she has done her best to take care of them. When someone in their family dies, these are people with mental disabilities, mental challenges, they reach out to her. Her door never stops knocking and she's trying to do right by them and for a bank whether they meant to make mistakes or not, the consequences to these residents and this community, my community that I live in, are the same.
0: That is where business over humanity. Robbie Caban, Douglas Price, thank you for uh, talking about this very important story. I mean, I think once we start to bring humanity back into our economic system, we'll do a whole lot better. You guys are heroes.